Welcome to Archetypes and the Planets, where Andre Carr and I, Bea Gonzalez, invite you to think metaphorically as we explore how we have collectively translated the map of the sky into our mythologies, religious systems, and personal psychology. So, Andre, last week we uh, looked at Venus and the story uh, to do with Venus, and this week we're looking at um, Mars. And Mars, just to start it off, was uh, considered the lesser but uh, malefic. Someone actually tried to argue with uh, me one time saying that the word malefic was not a real word. And I assured them, yes, it is a real word. <laughs> uh, malefic meaning kind of the, 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 the opposite of benefic, which is something that doesn't produce good results, shall we say, something yeah. that can bring bad luck. And in the in the um, ancient world, this was considered the lesser and Saturn, obviously, the greater uh, malefic. And, um, you know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking that if you're going to relate it to the stories, which is what I'm interested in, what I've tried to do, it's interesting that Venus, do you remember that Venus Athena emerges from Zeus's head, uh, fully clothed in her armor? And she is related yes. very much, I think, more to the Libra. I think Venus Aphrodite is more Taurus, but just stick with Athena because it's really interesting. Do you know how Mars emerges? Uh, Aries and the Aris in the in the um, uh, Greek formulation. Mars emerges uh, because, or uh, the, the way he he is birthed is through Hera Hera's rage. Now Hera is the consort, wife slash partner of Zeus, the head god, and she finds out he's produced Athena, and she is completely ticked off. So in her rage she creates Mars on her own. So just like Venus comes out of um, uh, Zeus's head, we now have Hera, Hera, his consort, creating Mars out of her rage uh, on her own. So one of the ways to look at Mars, and this is pointed out, I think, by Howard Saspertas or maybe Liz Green, is that Mars is a planet that doesn't benefit from the wisdom that you usually have in the solar principle. Because let's say that Mars is, to begin with, a yang planet, a masculine planet, although we all have it. Let's always stress that these planets and these archetypes belong to all of us. It doesn't matter what our gender is. But the fact is, again, we have a creation of an, a force, this time out of rage, which I think matches very well to what the Mars archetype is, um, by somebody in a rage. And then we have this 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 planet, which I think you can we can you can give us the significations. But what's really interesting, what I'm going to talk about as we we progress through this this uh, conversation, is how many stories uh, Mars is aligned to, okay, where he is kind of the dumb jock, just to put it in a in a kind of a so yeah. uh, so very very powerful in terms of great athletic ability, let's say, or great warrior, a great warrior, but not particularly smart. And I want to bring this up before we we get to the significations, just to set it up in that. One of the reasons I'm interested in this, as I said in the first episode, is that I'm interested in the idea that this may be the mother mythology. And uh, I'm also interested in the work of many people who comment that um, something changed in the, in the, uh, in the uh, period around where we had the first uh, text being written or recorded. Uh, and that would be you know around 700 BCE, where we had the Iliad and the Odyssey. And I'll talk about the Iliad later, because it is super important to what this story is about. And what changed is we went from a more feminine, connected kind of um, uh, way of apprehending things to more masculine, directed, which I think Mars has a lot to do with, but also much more warrior-like. And, and the values that became important were Mars-like values, solar values. So one of them is being a good warrior, um, 
so that's number one, being a good warrior. And but also by the time you get to 500 BCE and um, Athens, then you get the idea of also the the, the com- competition, the Olympics, the idea that you are you have these great athletes, and and you know it's a matter of excellence. So j- just to set it up, maybe you can jump in now and tell me what you associate, what the significations are of the actual planet. Um, and how you see it. And then we'll we'll talk about the stories around it. So jump in. Yeah, well, Mars, Mars, for sure, for sure, uh, relates to, you know, rules muscle. Mars is muscle, literally. And so athletics, warriorship, and the, when you said rage, definitely anger, irascibility, and including violence, it's a uh, it, it's a really aggressive planet. That's why it's you know the god of war. I mean, pretty clear. There's a right. make no bones about it. That's what it is. And in fact, I'll I'll notice it in my own chart that when I get any kind of Mars aspect, including any uh, any of the two four eight, so it can be. Conjunct, opposed, square, semi-square. If anything like that is happening, I will get really combative thoughts. Really, you know, the mind tries to drift into, you know, I'm going to do something really aggressive. Then the only thing that saves you from picking up a spear or or worse is that your mind presumably is self-aware enough to say, oh, okay, yeah, Mars is paying me a visit. But that's the nature of the the planet when you said malefic reminds me you know the spanish malo yeah it's malo it's it's like, <laughs> yes. it's like no it's bueno it's malo it's malo yes <laughs> so yes. so you know and you see it you know the other thing with mars is that you see it in you know kind of malefic occurrences like uh well the idea of course that if if maiming and killing and fighting that's generally considered uh more malefic although when you talk about sports in a way it's getting sublimated now because mm-hmm. now Yes. You're not necessarily killing the other person. You're just winning in the battle. And still, though, to me, Mars, one of the, uh, I think, interesting ways to to gauge what it's like is, you know, Jared Diamond's famous book, mm-hmm. Guns, Germs, and Steel. That's Mars. And, and yes. he's telling you that civilizations, in a sense, progress through Mars, although it's become more subtle in that now, it's you know countries that are nuclear armed versus not and things like that. But at the tip of a spear, at the idea that every advancement came when people developed tools, sharp tools. Steel is Mars too. Yeah, Anything yeah. pointy, a weapon, and then that would be the airy side of Mars. The Scorpio side is the germs. The germs, which, which <laughs> yes. is that's so. True. So it's it's you know. And by the way, that's not invented. You get the idea of getting infections and fevers under Mars is very very common, right? Right. Right. So it's yeah, it's it, it definitely has that quality to it. The only thing I can say on the other side that is also very helpful around Mars is that you, you don't do anything unless Mars launches you into action. So yes. this is where, for example, Mars is said to be exalted in Capricorn because Capricorn stabilizes the energy. If you put Mars in a mutable sign, the person roams a lot and doesn't finish things yes. Yes. and so forth. So Mars is essential. And yet it's a, it's definitely a difficult force. Right. No question. Yeah. Right. So a couple of things to pick up from what you said, the the sublimation is really, really important because I think anybody who is into sports or has been at a sporting event 
we'll see that it has a little bit of a quality that maybe might have been a, nag- a gladiator's uh, field at one time. What you're doing mm-hmm. is you're taking, and I think this is why people love sporting events. They're able to take their rage, and now they're able to, to aim it at the opposite, the opposite, yeah. uh, you know, the, uh, the the opposite team. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it to you last time, but but what comes to mind was a recent thing that happened in a Tottenham Arsenal game. These are two Premier League teams who who are playing and they have because they're from the same city in London they they get very angry at each other their 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 um uh fans and what happened is someone one fan when when Tottenham lost went and actually kicked the Arsenal goalie in the back of the leg like hard enough that it was and I thought this is such irrational behavior but it shows you that what you're taking is that rage you're going into it now then the the more appropriate way is you just you know, you scream, you holler, and then you get out of there and you let it go. But a lot of people carry this almost on a personal level. So I think sports are actually quite important as a vehicle for allowing people in the proper way, not the way this gentleman did it, but in a way to to process all of that that rage. Because Mars is, like every other planet, a servant to the sun. And you need the will that Mars gives you and the energy that Mars gives you to be effective with your son for your solar path, right? Now, mm-hmm. the other issue that you brought up is this notion, we all have a Mars. I think, you know, whether you're male or female, but I do think women are socialized to, to have a little bit more problem with, with Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they own their rage. They own their assertiveness. And I think, that, you know, the rage is the shadow side. I think assertiveness is definitely belongs to Mars. Mm-hmm. And so what I find really interesting is uh, how many people I know who are quite outwardly placid and yet get in a car and become insane and i'm wondering if that's another way that we, we yeah. the mars out you know when no one's looking mars and gemini <laughs> mars and gemini right <laughs> yes yes we, there should be a lot of road rage yeah uh, like right well, yeah, now I'm, because yeah yeah because the american of, chart has mars and gemini maybe that's why you know, there'll be like los angeles road rage and whatever like all, yes. all kinds of cities where you get into it and then the person pulls the gun out and starts shooting well, and, and actually Mars and Gemini also speaks to rage with words, right? There's a yeah. lot of raging uh, within ideas and words. But, but you know, the important thing is that no planet, even when it is designated a benefic like Venus or a malefic like Mars, uh, is totally good or totally bad. They have shadow yeah. sides. And Mars can be more difficult because I think what you said is true. If, it, if it's ha- badly handled, it could lead to people doing murderous things, you know? So it's it's something we, especially if it's in contact with another planet, then you've got a, a, a really big problem um, ahead of, of you if you don't know how to channel it properly. But you do need it. It's an essential energy you need and properly challenged. It's great. It's heroic. And, you know, one thing I was thinking about, and you know this chart as well, you know, I'm a, my, my fundamental, my big interest is mythology. And I was thinking of Joseph Campbell being an Aries ruled by Mars with uh with the I think three planets in Aries, including uh the 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 sun and Mercury in the Kazemi situations, a very strong Mercury. What he what did he do? He planned the hero's journey. And I think that's really important with Mars too, that there's a journey that Mars has to take. There's mm-hmm. a heroic journey. And of course that's the solar path, but Mars is very, very in, involved in how that looks. Because if you think about it, in the in the in the tropical zodiac, Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. So Mars is what gets us going. It goes okay. Yeah. Take you have to yeah. take action, right? You can't you yeah. can't do it from Taurus because Taurus is sitting around fixed and not particularly interested in that taking that first step. So it's a very strong cardinal energy, and it moves forward and it takes the first step. How you manage it afterwards, yeah, that's going to depend on what what uh, what kind of state the Mars is in, or what transit you're in, or whatever, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it probably 
uh, around what you said around assertiveness. Uh, you know, assertiveness it's it's a, a difficult concept to to explain without drifting into the disharmony of assertiveness because assertiveness and aggression are pretty close to each other. So then you could argue that in Aries it'll be more easy or easier to become assertive very quickly. Although the joke there is that the Aries will become assertive very quickly and then drop it because it's not really a a like resentment thing and deep resentment, you're not letting me assert. It's just like an impatience. Ah, you, know, you say it. Whereas in Scorpio, the the assertiveness there through Mars is a lot more long lasting and a lot more dangerous in the sense of holding resentments, right? But yes. you can see how it could also be a lot more powerful in that assertiveness really should be say your piece or really stand your ground. Stand your right. ground. Like right. it's the idea that says, no, uh, you say X. Well, you know, thank you for your opinion. This is what I believe, and maybe you don't say anything more. It's the idea that. Mars reflecting the will in terms of where you're coming from and not being drawn into the other person's right, right. point of view when it doesn't suit you, right? Which would be, for example, why maybe Mars and Libra might do that to please the other person. And that's why they say Mars is better off somewhere else and so forth. Right, um, right. So, right. Uh, but all of these, yeah, for sure, that relate to Mars, including when you said the journey of the sun. I often think of the Kabbalah where they draw the tree and the sun is in the center. That's your target. It's where you're going. Your your heart, your spiritual heart, the center of everything. And the left side, you see uh, Mars, Saturn, and Mercury. And particularly Saturn and Mars, they're harsh energies. Mercury just takes whatever is around it for the most part. But Mars and Saturn, for sure, as the difficult energy where you see Venus, Jupiter, and Neptune on the other pillar, right? right? But you can't really go through one or the other. You have to find the balance. Uh, right. Otherwise, right. Uh, there's, a, there's a runaway energy. But bottom line, again, yeah, no question. I mean, this is where uh, a person says, well, I really want to understand how what Mars is. Just track your astrology enough to you know, run into, a, say, a Mars square to something. And you right. will know immediately. <laughs> <laughs> or find or find people who are who have that in their natal charts. I was thinking of um, John McEnroe having uh, Mars Moon conjunct square. Uh, what was Pluto. it? Square Pluto, right? So this is a yes. On the one hand, a great athlete. On the other hand, notorious for just uh, blowing up on the court. Um, I, I, one thing that you were bringing up I, on the issue of cooling and and hot, right? Mars is considered a very hot planet. It's interesting that it is exalted in Capricorn, ruled by Saturn, which we associate with coldness. It's during the coldest part of the year. And so maybe why it's exalted there is a contemporary, as you say, contemporary the Mars so that it is a bit more bounded. It's not as crazy. It's able to be more rational and um, measured because I think Saturn has a certain level of measure. It can be measured in a way that Mars can't be. So that's yeah. probably, I'm thinking, why it can be. But it's interesting, you know, in the myth, and the myths that are around Mars and the, the heroic figures that are really important to the Greek uh, mythological system, which, by the way, is important to us because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a system that was created at that time. So you really want to get to know the stories. So the only thing that can tame Mars in, that, in those stories is Venus, right? Again, we're talking about that polarity because mm -hmm. Mars in both signs that rules, both Aries and Scorpio, opposes 
the Venus and Taurus and Libra. So you always bring in Venus to tame Mars because Venus is relational and it knows it can't overstep in certain mm -hmm. ways. And so I'm reminded of the concept of Venus associated with love. And there is, um, uh, in the 19th century, Richard Wagner created this monumental cathedral of a work, uh, an 18-hour opera that you see over four nights uh, that most people will never see because it's too extreme. He was an extreme person. But what was interesting about what he did is he created a character based on um, based on a fairy tale. And I think all of these things, the myths and the fairy tales are all linked. And that character, Siegfried, which is, by the way, a hero, just like Achilles and, and uh, Heracles and a whole bunch I'll talk about today. And what's interesting about that hero is he does, all her heroes in this tradition do not feel fear. That is why they are. But that kind of makes them dumb, right? Because part of what we should as human beings be able to do is feel fear because that's actually what keeps us alive so if you don't feel yeah. fear you may be very heroic but you're not really helping yourself so in the case of Siegfried he's you know he's raised in the forest he 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 he's you know this big brawny guy and he's able to kill the dragon that holds the ring you know the the ring cycle by Wagner has a lot of correspondences to those people who like the Lord of the Rings there's a lot of correspondences so he takes the ring but before he takes it he bathes in the in the um dragon's blood and he misses a part the back, just like Achilles with a heel, it means there's a part that's vulnerable in Mars that you have to be very careful, the part they can't see, because it's always the back or the back of the heel, or the heel. So it's some part that they're not really aware of. And so he does this. And then he, and he thinks, well, you know, I'm not, how can I feel fear? You know how he feels fear? He sees a woman. He's never seen a woman before. And he sees a woman encircled by fire. And of course, fire, again, he crosses the fire. And when he falls in love with her, he feels fear. And that is so interesting to me that it becomes human, Mars becomes humanized by the act of falling in love, which I think corresponds very well to that polarity of Venus and Mars. And by the way, that is what makes that work so absolutely great, because you think this is a great mythological, and it's in a lot of mythological stories. That is not the only one. Like I said, he took it from, uh, not that particular story, but he took the idea of a fearless warrior from the fairy tales as well. Mm. And so I think that's really tied in to how these two always have to work together. It's not one or the other. And in fact, when they can't bring the Venus in, I think Mars is at a disadvantage. So it's harder when you have a square between those two planets or an opposition, because bringing those two together is going to be more difficult. Those two, those two um, that naturally work together. Does that, does that ring true to you? It does. It does. Absolutely. Because you, you, you go to other topics like the idea of, uh, incorporating uh, males incorporating the Venus into their psyche so they're not projecting the Venus right. and in a sense becoming captive of Venus through the image of the female they're drawn to or vice versa where a woman can disown her Mars and then project it outside and search for it that way. But the idea is to incorporate that within yourself whether you're male or female. So in a sense, it's there's an androgyny of sorts when you get both planets. Right. They're both aspects of the psyche. And you can see in the current era, the Marshall runaway, like when you think of something like testosterone, that's Mars, yeah. excess testosterone. It's, it's the idea that it's as a hormone or as a Marshall something or other, you're jutting out, you're, you're moving out into the world. And it's something, I mean, I even saw this thing where if elephants, elephants go through this stage where they have too much testosterone, they're extremely dangerous to approach because they will kill you. You know, right. you, you even see this 
this fluid, you know, on the side of their ears. Wow. And I warned you, stay wow. there oh, wow. because it's like, then they're elephants with a spear, but I mean, like a really, really <laughs> bad attitude, right? <laughs> you have extreme Mars. So, uh, but then this can be, you know, the whole, that whole idea of toxic masculinity, that's the idea of a runaway Mars, where there isn't really any Venusian energy in there, to, you know, to calm you down, to, to right. you know, to help you realize, hey, I'm supposed to be relating here, Venus. Right. And maintaining harmony, peace—you know the the, the, yeah, the yeah, what, yeah. what Venus does versus all out, all out attack, all out war, machismo—all of yeah. that is yeah. is is martial, right? So yeah, yeah, that fits really well. And although when you said the hero, I mean, part of that is that is that if you think about it, Mars uh, through Aries gets associated with spring. Spring is when life is emerging, and in a sense, it's taking a chance. It's still too young to be strong, but it has to get out there and, and start to grow and take chances. And that's what the hero does. You, you, that's why pioneering is associated with Mars and with Aries, right. going into an unknown to see what can be done, what can be conquered, what can be understood. So it's really valuable that way, unless it, it's it, it becomes too strong, in which case then it becomes disharmonious. It's so interesting for, for two of, two things. First of all, that in all the fairy tales, which really are were instruction manuals for human beings to be able to know how to not only behave, but evolve, because they, they really speak to how we change through life. The, the thing that women are always being entrusted to do in those fairy tales is to sort of metaphorically use the sword, which is something we associate with Mars. Mm -hmm. And the sword can be, obviously, obviously it's considered a phallic symbol, symbol, but it's another thing. It distinguishes, it separates things. And one of the things Venus, or even more the feminine, has an issue with, and I think more with the moon, just as a general principle, is it doesn't know how to distinguish what is important from what isn't. That is a, a problem with the feminine, because they merge with everything. So the sword, the Mars energy, helps you understand, or a psyche, it doesn't matter if it's man or woman, a psyche is too steeped in that feminine energy to say, hey, that's why they're always sorting grains. That's why they're always sorting fish or something. They're given that task because it's very difficult for them to dist distinguish what is important from what not is not important. And when I say them, I mean the feminine psyche, not women, because obviously this will play out differently in each person. But that's why it's such an important symbol and why it shows up in all our stories. The sword is not only used to conquer, it's used for, I think, the highest quality or the highest uh, expression of the masculine, which is the word discernment. It can distinguish, differentiate between what matters and what doesn't matter. On the issue of toxic ma masculinity, you can you can almost say that what's interesting about the whole astrological um, story is that it is tracking for you what we've been developing over the last two thousand years, which is a solar, you know, principally solar, uh, very masculine kind of approach. And I, I think of when I think of what goes on, and we're all subjected to this, so we see it. I think of that the first story we have in the Western canon, we are practicing a Western astrology, this is not Vedic, is the story of the Iliad, which is basically a war, right? And we've already talked about what mm -hmm. this has to do in that war for Aphrodite with the apple and whatever. But the, the part that we haven't talked about is that the most important, one of the most important characters in that story is the character of Achilles. And Achilles is a warrior who goes into a snit because what happens is he's supposed to fight for the Greeks against the Trojans and he gets ticked off that uh, the, 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 the leader of the army, Agamemnon, the king Agamemnon, has taken his concubine. So he basically says, I'm not going to fight. I, you've taken my dignity away. And this is kind of a martial thing where, where you, you pull a snit. I refuse to act because you've offended me. And he sits 
And that's why the Greeks aren't winning the war, because he basically refuses to fight. And once he does fight, of course, they do win. And then he is, by the way, uh, killed uh, by the, this is the famous story, the only way that he's vulnerable is through a heel. He's shot through the heel by Paris and he dies. But what's interesting about it is just that, that, that the snit, the idea that I'm not going to do it, I do it my way or, um, or not at all. And yet I always tell people to read the Iliad because there is one scene in the Iliad that, that kind of humanizes Achilles and it is through love. And it's not of a, another, of, of a man, woman love or male, female. It's the love of, um, after he has killed the Hector, who is the big hero of the Trojan War, he, uh, or the, sorry, the Trojan side, he won't give the body back to the father to be buried because he's so ticked off because Hector has killed his best friend. And so the father comes, the old father Hector comes and begs Achilles and say, goes to the war lines and says, please just give me the body of my, my son so I can mourn him and bury him properly. And in that moment, it humanizes Achilles. And what he says is he says, think of your own father and how your father would feel. And in that moment, Achilles says here, yes, you can take the body. And he even washes the body and has it taken away. And it's that moment that you see, okay, this absolutely, you know, uh, big kind of like Brad Pitt type of warrior, like, uh, I guess it's not Brad Pitt. I don't know whoever it is. Um, but Crow, anyway, Russell Crowe. Uh, Russell Crowe. <laughs> Suddenly, yes, I see that you can tell I don't watch too many movies. But the point <laughs> is that he softens up and through an act of compassion becomes very human. And that again is that balance that you can't just have the 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 sword. You just can't have the the honor because that's another word that Mars loves. A honor. You've you've offended my honor, and therefore I must now fight you to the death. Um, it's the idea that that on its own is dangerous because it's all ego driven, right? It's all well, you know. Um, I must get my revenge, but there's there's no, no there's no love in it. And I guess again back to that to that uh, uh, polarity that is so important. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that. Mars would be considered, I, I would understand it as uh, one of the most relevant symbols around the being captured by the ego force in that when you think of ego in a certain way, it's it has a density to it. It has a, a there's a sense of isolation when you think of ego. And what I mean by ego there, it, it, ego on the downside, like in other words, for example, this is why anger is so destructive, because if you get angry enough in a situation at another person, there'll be a recovery period before you get your expansion back. Right, right. <laughs> you know, during that period, it's like, ah, you know, you're just, yeah. you can't. It, it, it almost reduces your, your, your energy, uh, coalesces it. It becomes a very body, uh, I'm my body and nothing else. That's all I am. I'm, I'm here to survive. It's that, it's that muscularity of, of Mars, which, by the way, nature itself is very much like that dog eat dog it, it's uh, people sometimes say about compassion well compassion uh, you know bring it up around humans C humans show compassion it is pretty limited in the animal world because it's all about surviving and so then when you think of the archetypes in astrology humans embody multiple animals that's the whole idea that you've got the fish archetype and you've got the you know bird archetype and the goat yeah. archetype and so forth but there is an animal nature, and then there's this evolving right. uh, trend to become what human, which whatever that is, right? right. But uh, I had to laugh. I'd seen this uh, uh, recently. I saw this little video with uh, they were showing a, a kangaroo flexing its muscles to attract females. You know, it was right. doing the same thing as a jock at a at a gym, and yet that <laughs> that is part of our culture, and we also see 
if you look around, I think humanity is evolving away from that. In other words, yes. for the most part, the larger group of people agree that now it's more about brain power and awareness and some other quality that supersedes, you know, I can just punch you out and, and you know, and kill you and therefore I'm the I'm more desirable that way. Yeah, except that that isn't going to necessarily bring you the same powers that it used to when you were, you know, living yeah. in the uh, yeah. wherever. So in that sense, Mars, even though we may be in a, you were saying we may be in a solar uh, period and the idea of war, the idea of aggression, I think that's part of the reason, by the way, why the whole world is so horrified at Putin these days, because he's using, he's using way too much Mars. You know, this yeah. is crazy to, to approach yeah. something through, through just pure violence. I'm going right. to solve it through, uh, through violence. So, right. Is, so, so that's great because you just brought up, uh, you talk about how the world is or we're evolving to choose something different. Going back again to these stories that we starts off the Western tradition, there's another story of another warrior on the other side that I think may point to that. So when the Trojan War finishes in this great big epic, um, the, 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 the people triumphant are the Greeks, not the Trojans. And the, um, on the Greek side, there is a, a, a great warrior besides Achilles. Achilles is now dead. And his armor, this is very important, the armor, if you think of what you carry on you, it's like your persona, has to be given to, bequeathed to another warrior. So you're almost carrying that the potency of that, that the, the dead warrior. So Ajax feels he was the next best warrior. He should get it. But Melanaeus, the king, gives it to Odysseus. And what does Odysseus have? Remember, Odysseus is the cunning one. He is the guy that came up with the Trojan horse that tricked the Trojans into opening the gates and that would basically led to their downfall. So what was rewarded was cunning, not, not uh, victory on the battlefield, okay? Now, mm -hmm. here's, here's the interesting thing. Um, Ajax comes home and he is in such a rage, think of Mars, he's in such a rage that he did not get this armor that he plots to kill all three of them. Uh, uh, Agamemnon, Melanaeus, the brother, uh, who is the husband of Helen, who they want to get, and Odysseus, he's that ticked off. Athena, now here's the interesting part, comes down and puts him in a spell, and instead he goes around in a rage killing cattle, not understanding that they're cattle, thinking that they're, they're the people he wants to. When he comes out of that rage, he is so embarrassed, and shame comes up, because shame, I think, is a shadow side as well. You're ashamed if you are not living up to heroic ideals. He is so ashamed, he commits suicide. He goes out and he falls on a sword, then the sword, to mm. to 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 basically, you know, get rid of his of his pain of all the shame. And I think yes, we are. What was awarded there was the intellect. It wasn't the the brawn. And we have evolved. But I think evolved. I'm not even sure that's a word because you know the intellect can also create has <laughs> created more problems than anything in its own way. But the idea is that the value system was moving already to uh to a state where philosophy, math, math all the things that we 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 culture was valued. But you can't avoid what you say about the kangaroo is right. And this is where Jung was very, very present. He's kept saying, most neurosis is caused by human beings ignoring their instinctual self. The fact that although we have this lovely overlay where we can do math and, and sing songs and write poetry, you're still an animal. You have instincts that if you go against them, will actually hurt you. You have to be attending also to both. It's not an either or. It's a, it's a way to approach both. And we all have an aggressive um, uh, instinct. If we can sublimate it 
or transform it through muscular. You keep saying muscular. Well, one way to do it is go work out, right? Go move the yeah. body. And maybe the yeah. anger turns into something that the body can process and you can move forward. I mean, that is one way, right? But to ignore the fact that we are, and, and we see it because I think Mars belongs to the terrible twos. Anyone who's had a toddler around and see that moment in time when they start raging because they want to do things that are beyond their capabilities. And mm -hmm. so you, you, you can't ignore that that's there. That's a human impulse. And I think part of the problem, and I think it's happened, is that uh, we have ignored it. We, we try to act like it's not there. The other thing, by the way, too, is that um, it can be it can be extreme. It can it can it let out without any kind of guardrails. It is what we're seeing in the toxic side that you you get this idea that no, it's all good. It's and by the way, this is an imbalance problem. I think what's going on with this toxic masculinity issue is that there's a reaction to they always say because you know there's always an excuse. It's a reaction to being told I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't say this, I can't be a racist openly. That's a terrible twos problem, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. what the kid says. I need to have what I want. Well, no, you can't because you live in a world where others, Venus, exist as well. And we share our universe and we share a world. And I think this is not being in proper contact. On the one hand, these are the same type of people that tell you to, you know, uh, pull weights and do all sorts of things to look muscular. And yet they're behaving completely unconsciously and, and hurting people through words, through actions because of their inability to connect to their own feminine it has nothing to do. they keep blaming women it has nothing to do with that it's an interior job all the way like it always is right mm -hmm. yeah yeah no that that uh that's 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 mars it's mars running amok you know uh, one other thing about mars is that if you connect it to uh, aries and scorpio and you say you assign muscle more to aries as the first house body, but then blood is Mars. Blood is a liquid that flows within muscle. It's the life force, literally. It's very, very important. The quality of that will determine how you feel. But just so, the whole notion of killing, maiming, all of that is, I mean, you're spilling blood. It's, it's the, it, people immediately recognize that, oh, danger, right. violence, uh, all of that is Mars, including, and this is interesting, because uh, what I noticed with astrology, why it's one thing to say you observe Mars and someone else, that's good, and yet, to my mind, never matches the feeling when you observe it in yourself, because it becomes an organic thing. So, uh, my own learning about it, by my inclinations, by, by why, what I'm tuned to, and a while back I discovered Mars is actually a carnivore energy. You get mm -hmm. more of an instinct to eat meat, for example, which mm -hmm. is, and, and it lasts just through the period of the, of the aspect, right? Right, right. And again, it, it tells you that this is the way nature works. I mean, people think humans are cruel. You have no idea. Just turn on the planet channel and watch <laughs> it for a little bit. And you'll go, oh, my God. I mean, they are just brutal to be like, yes. beyond brutal. It is just like the worst nightmare that you can you imagine. You mean animals. You mean animals. Animals. Right? Animals, the way they treat each other well, within their terrain. Uh, there are zero rules. And it's a total, total, the kind of thing beyond cruelty. If you were to make a... a uh, a movie about humans behaving this way, you would say this, like I'm watching a total horror show because of the way they treat each other, right? And that's very martial in that sense, you know, the, the pinnacle of the idea of the animal realm, it's all primitive survival. Whoever is stronger right. survives and whoever not doesn't, even within uh, an animal population, it'll be the strongest animals. That's why for them it is perfectly valid to 
to say, well, the kangaroo wants to find a mate that is strong because that, that's the instinct to then propagate the the kangaroo, uh, you know, Mine, race yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, I mean, the only thing would be there you'd have to explore some interesting uh, segues like how certain animals, it's about the coloring, you know, like peacocks yeah. and things like that. Yeah, there you yeah. get more into Venus. But still, it's, it's very dominant because you still have to survive. Right. If there are predators that come after you, then you won't make it. I will say that I think that the reason most people will say that humans can be much faster, crueler, or crueler than um, than animals is animals. Yes, they will be. They 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 need to survive, and they they honor the survival instinct and territory because they need to procreate. They're really basic. They're biological, and that's it. But I think we'd all agree that humans that can come up with the concept of um, you know Auschwitz are much more dangerous because they've yes. used the one thing we've been gifted, which is the, the ability to consciously decide to absolutely torture other humans. Yes. And at that point, it makes us a lot worse because animals, they're trying to survive. I understand that. You've got to survive any way you can. And you're procreating because you're about, you have a biological impulse to do that. But what humans do with the, with, with the gift we've been given of consciousness or lack of consciousness is a pretty scary thing. And they do it mostly through the Mars uh, area because violence, I think, is more aligned to Mars than it is to any other planet. Because, again, it's an assertion of will. An assertion of will and dominance is a word that also comes true. into, you true. know. And, that's, and true. So, that, yeah. that's true, although you could also counter that by saying as the centuries have moved forward, and in particular, once the outer planets were discovered, and there may be a clue in there, in that, yes, we'll get to that, that Uranus yeah. maybe humanizes people a lot more than they think, because right. post that point, if you commit atrocities, generally the race does not approve. It says, this right. is not cool, we have to get rid of this. Because they could be saying, you know, in the world right now, we could all be saying, no, 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 really the idea is to be really physically strong, and, and whoever, you know, beats up the other person is the king of the hill. That's not how it works. Well, so some are saying they, that, let's be clear. <laughs> I know, I know, some believe this which is scary i know but including let, let's let's not be uh, let's not uh, let's let's not be naive about this at all right? yeah no i mean not. i know i get it but it's, it's it's that logic that yeah i mean i know i mean but you could even bring up marjorie taylor green and say even even women think this way sure, some women, of course because right? it's mars it has a, nobody it, can, it's not a woman man thing is we all have mars exactly have mars. so but it's still interesting to see that by and large, I mean, you think of billions of people living on the planet and the the race seems to disapprove. We'll see. I mean, time will tell. Yeah, My yeah. feeling is no. My feeling is that uh, and like the energy of Uranus in that sense, the discovery of that really jams that particular impulse and brings in this other thing that is, in a sense, more nervous system oriented and less muscular. It goes to right. a deeper part right. of the psyche and says, no, that's more valuable. That's what right. we should be right. honoring, right. right? But yet, even so, you still have a Mars. Like, you can have any nervous system you want in terms of you doing anything, even walking about. The fact that you can go from one place to another. Mars is there, and when you're taking any action, it's there. When your ability to follow through, your ability to, you know, to right. take action right. is, is, yeah, is it's action, so, so which, it's which you need. And we go back to the fact that we're no, nobody's saying it's, well, they said the malefic. The last thing is that the uh, ancients thought that Mars joyed, had its joy in the sixth house. Planetary joys were um, where the, the house, the, the, the significations of the house comes from the, the planet, the joys there. So, you know, Venus, we said in the fifth. Uh, and they didn't like the sixth house and they didn't like the 12th house and they like the eighth. And the reason they didn't like any of those houses is a, it's a question of light. The, the ascendant can't see those houses by a Ptolemaic aspect. 
And what's interesting about those houses is, and we'll get to that when we eventually get to the house uh, segment of this, archetypes and the houses, um, is that they can't be seen means that they're a little bit unconscious, aren't they? They're a little bit under, they're driving you in ways that you're not really aware of. So it's a little bit uh, a little bit dangerous. But in the sixth house specifically, it is aligned with health, right? To a certain degree, yeah. it's aligned with with how, how your body functions or how it doesn't function with sickness, with ailments. And so when you said about Mars and its connection to fevers, which it definitely is because you heat up and that's it, then that is immediate. Oh, and wounds. Like you think of wounds, oh, right? Open yeah. wounds. Yeah, it's pain. <laughs> that's why. That's why that's not a. It's a house that you know. Of course, there's no good and bad. There's there's good and bad and everything. But I mean, I'm sorry. There's no exclusively bad. There's good and bad. But it's mm-hmm. interesting that it was associated with that house. The joys. It's comfortable in that house, just like Saturn in the twelfth. And so you think to yourself, hmm, um, there is something about Mars that is also associated in some way with pain, with, with, uh, you take the, the, it, I mean, they're all, every planetary archetype is going to have that. But in this case, I, I associate it specifically with physical, the physical side of pain, injury, um, uh, you know, like you say, fevers, anything that actually puts your body in a state, which, which is pain, you know, and nobody likes it. It's, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. How yeah. done consciously though, done consciously, you know, you could turn that pain and turn it into a marathon run, which is also painful, but you accomplish something, you set out a goal. So there are ways to to look at pain differently. But I would say that it's difficult on that level as well, that there is something to do with physical pain and Mars uh, being involved at times. Yeah, yeah. The, the, those, the, the, some of those, I, I don't always totally understand when uh, something will get put somewhere and said to be uh, happy uh, Venus in the fifth, to me, makes more sense than uh, Saturn or Mars in six twelve. Although Saturn, you could say, because it could be uh, used for spiritual growth, and it's a great uh, disciplinarian and so forth. And Mars, the one thing I can think of with Mars in the sixth would be that it can, because it's a vital energy, it can vitalize you as a result right. of being there. It's just that you always have to look at charts really carefully. So. If you see Mars there and it's got two squares or, you know, even yeah. a single square can completely append that that uh, that logic. And so you have to study it yeah. carefully to make sure. But, yeah, as, a, as an overall principle, sure, you could you could point to it. Uh, and you're, you're, those houses, you mentioned the absence of light. Well, the 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 fact that they're related to health and death gives you the clue as to why. And that's not made up. I mean, the idea of a planets going through the sixth and needing to go to the doctor to repair something yeah. is very common and needing surgery in the eighth also very common yes. i see this repeatedly where people will say oh, i'm going to do surgery and you see <laughs> planets moving into the eighth or they report health things through the sixth so calling them malefic yeah and then in the 12th as soon as you know it rules hospitals you pretty much yes. know okay yes. that's Yes. That's where things can get a little sticky, right? Yeah, yeah, and this is the whole fate idea that there's parts of your life that you cannot control, even though we'd like to. There is a, a, a the particle wave thing again that you can you can't control everything, but you can control maybe you can develop your consciousness to understand and accept maybe some things. But though those are hard yeah. things, and I think when they said planetary joys, it didn't mean that Mars is happy in the sixth house. It means that Mars. And the significations of the sixth house are related, but that doesn't mean that you have Mars in the sixth and it's a happy camper. No, it just means yeah. that there is a relationship between those two. I note that nothing actually joys in the eighth, possibly because they didn't have access to the outer planets and perhaps 
Pluto may join the eighth. They just didn't know because at the time they were, you know, they were uh, developing the system according to what was visible to them in the sky. Anyway, so I think that's pretty comprehensive about Mars. We've, uh, uh, you know, we've basically, <laughs> we're basically telling people, be aware you have one. It's great for getting things done. It's, it's great for taking action, but the shadow side is out of control. It can be cruel and it can be, uh, aggressive and it can hurt you and others so it's a an energy that needs a lot of management but you can't do without it it's not like you know it's one of those things that uh, um uh done well it gives you great courage great initiative uh and an action you, you got to take action to make things happen so there you are yeah, so yeah, next and time it, yeah and, and it i know my final thought is that yeah. that's a, a planet that has a two-year orbit right. i believe the average speed so it has to be such that it can't, it, it, it's going to take two years to get around. So it's going to be, if you think of the sun, one degree per day, right. the Mars energy has to be an average of maybe like half a degree. So it's a planet that you can track in your chart because it makes aspects, connections infrequently enough that you can, you know, isolate a period. Okay, I got right. Mars now for a few days. And the idea is, what are you feeling? What are you sensing? Right. Uh, one of the things I've noticed in, in myself in my journey to try to understand my Mars is that I notice my combativeness, my sense of feeling aggression within myself is almost precisely linked to how irritable I feel in my body for whatever reason. What have I done to create the irritability? For example, if you're if you didn't get enough sleep, yeah. that'll create irritability. And then there's this impulse to to right. push it out. It happens every so often that I might get irritable for no reason, but that's pretty rare. For the right. most part, it feels like it emerges as a as a as a, an impulse from within through body irritability and then being expressed through then then what in other words then the it's the idea that irritability in the body leads to irritable thoughts and emotions that sure. you know li yeah. literally like yeah the, the people that you don't like seem to pop up. <laughs> Well, you know, th this just to, to, to close with that, that's really something we didn't mention. It isn't really um, all that odd that you will draw, you will not play your Mars, you will draw people to you that are playing the aggression card for you, right? In other words, mm -hmm. if you're the kind of person that is too scared, isn't it amazing? Sometimes you're drawing people that are almost enacting that and you're attracted to them because you need to work it out, but you can't work it for yourself, which is why I think all this work we do on ourselves is extremely important because yes. otherwise we project it and we allow other people to live it out and we have no control at all when that happens so it's right. much more healthy to say okay where am i and why am i irritable and how do i take action in an appropriate way measured again measured right not right. overacting but but action you have to take and you are going to have to be aggressive sometimes to get what you want but not in you know aggression doesn't have to be against I think aggression is the wrong word. You just have to be able to take, to make decisions and take actions that get you what you want. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, bringing in yeah. again, polarity. We've talked a lot about this. Then we have to finish by saying, if you bring in the opposite side, which is Venus, then you will understand your value system, understand where you take, where you need to take action and also understand how not to trample over anybody else's rights, you know, because right. we all right. coexist. We, we do. Exactly. So we have to share yeah. the little world we live in. So, okay. Exactly. Next time, Jupiter, the, 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 we go from the, um, from the uh, lesser uh, malefic to the greater benefic. Everybody loves yeah. Jupiter until you get drunk. So anyway, we'll talk about that and how yeah, they, Jupiter yeah. can play both sides of the uh, side as well, right? All right, excellent. I look okay. forward to that. Next time. All right.
Thanks for listening today. If you want to hear more about all of this, go to YouTube where you will find Andre's channel called Astrology Alert. He posts videos there almost daily. He also teaches classes through his Patreon account. You can find me at sophiacycles.com. If you want to support my work, I've recently released a new novel called Invocation, which you may find of interest. Go to my website to see a book trailer about it. It's available in all fine bookstores, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Finally, if you like this podcast, please rate it and leave a review so that others will find it as well.